Thanks, Dave. Uh, it's a privilege for me to be able to speak to you, all who have joined uh, today, and uh, appreciate the confidence and invitation from Midland Park. I want to read one verse today in 2 Peter chapter 3. If you have a Bible, 2 Peter chapter 3, and we will read at verse 9. <clears throat> the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us word, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I'm just going to read that verse again. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Today in the gospel, I would like to um, speak to you perhaps a little bit differently than maybe what you're accustomed to. Um, I would like to organize my message, my thoughts around answering an objection that is being raised today for people who are not Christians. Um, and so if you're a Christian here today, I hope that the message you're about to hear will encourage you and strengthen you. But uh, this message is intended just, just at this moment for those who are not Christians, for those who have objections, for those who have criticism. Um, I have heard over the last few days, few weeks, um, objections to some of the current events that are going on in our society whether it be the pandemic and virus or uh, the civil unrest and uh, the many political discussions that are going on. Um, Christians give the response, um, a good response, a biblical response, that when it comes to the desire for um, a cure, not just for a virus, but a cure for all viruses, where there, no one will ever be sick again, no one will ever die again. When it comes to ultimate healing, Christians point away to the day when Christ will come to reign. That's when there will be ultimate healing, a new creation, a uh, new heaven, new earth. And again, when it comes to this subject that's been raised in the last couple of weeks, the subject of justice, the subject of civil unrest, um, some of the different campaigns that people are filling the streets with, the Christian response is really ultimate justice will only come when Christ comes, when Jesus comes. That's when justice will truly uh, come. And uh, not that there can't be a phase of justice, not that there can't be a spot perhaps in the United States where justice prevails in our, our society, but really worldwide justice. Like, is there going to be justice in, in the villages of Bangladesh? Are there going to be justice? Is there going to be justice in the Himalayan uh, villages? Is there going to be justice in Syria? Uh, worldwide justice will only come when Jesus comes. And so Christians have posted that, have said that. And the response, the objection goes something like this. If that's true, if justice, peace, healing, if all of that will come when Jesus comes to reign, then why doesn't he come? That's a difficult question. If truly, when Jesus comes to reign, there will be a righteous throne. There will be justice. Um, there won't be any bribes to sway, sway that standard. If that will all take place when Jesus comes to reign, why doesn't he come? 
Is it that he doesn't come because he doesn't care? Now, what if he didn't care? He's God himself. We are in a small planet. Uh, we are small people passing so quickly. But is that why he doesn't come? Is it because he doesn't care? And the answer the Bible gives that we have just read, it's actually ab- addressing this objection uh, in, a, in a small way in Second Peter chapter 3. It's actually addressing people who are mocking the idea that Jesus is coming. Oh, yeah, we've heard about that, and everything just keeps going the way it's been going. And you can believe that if you'd like. But uh, And Peter's addressing that to people who are wondering, you know, is he coming? Has the Lord all of a sudden been unfaithful? Is, is it just something we're hoping for? Why doesn't he come? And this is what we read. It's not that he is slack. It's not that he is tardy or lacking when it comes to his promise of coming. It's that, this is the answer now, why doesn't he come? Is it that he doesn't care? No, the answer from the Bible is that he does care. The reason he doesn't come, the reason he doesn't come and set up a throne immediately and execute justice on all the crimes that people are are outraged about, and rightly so, is because he does care, not because he doesn't care. And it's because he does care about you. Now, let me explain that. Let me explain that. He does not come to bring peace, healing, justice right away. One reason is because he cares about you. This is what the verse says. He is not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. Now, I'm going to be fairly brief today, but I want to explain what this verse is saying. What it's saying is this, you see, if Jesus came to reign and execute justice on this earth, he would execute justice against murder. It wouldn't be a long, drawn-out trial. It would be speedy, at least according to the standards we have in the Old Testament. There would be multiple witnesses brought, and it would be executing justice, righteously, a throne of righteousness. All the crimes that people are outraged about today, he would rule and judge them righteously, rightly. He would judge crimes like racism. He would judge crimes like robbery. He would judge crimes like anarchy. He would judge crimes like um, the crooked false witnesses that are uh, coming up forward. He would judge crimes. All of these crimes that people are upset about today, they would be judged. But you see, he would also judge crimes like lying. The Bible says that the lying tongue, the Lord hates. He would judge a crime like lust. He would judge a crime like theft. He would judge a crime like swearing. These also would be judged. You see, in a day where all of us really are marked by some measure of partiality and prejudice, whether it's because of the color of someone's skin, whether it's because of where they were born, whether it's because of whose family they're in. Maybe we're partial towards our own family and prejudiced against people or partial against people who are not in that family. All of these things that mark human beings and have marked us for our existence, really. There will be no partiality when Christ comes. He will judge righteously. 
It will not matter whose family a person was from. It will not matter what race they were. It will not matter the color of their skin, where they grew up. They will judge righteously. The pr trouble is, you see, in this world where we're all taken up with standing up against the crimes being done in the world, and whether you stand up against the crime of racism that's being done, and maybe you're outraged about that today. Maybe you're outraged about the crime of anarchy that's being done. No respect for the government. No respect for civil ordinance. No respect for personal property. Maybe that outrages you, as it should. You know, have you ever been outraged about your own list of crimes? Do you know God is upset about your crimes? Do you know that, the, that, that it doesn't matter to him? There's no partiality. He looks at your crimes, and if it's just a lie, if it's stealing something, if it's taking his name in vain, if it's disobeying your parents, God is upset. God is angry with sin. And so these, these things cause us to be in this condition, the, the, the justice we deserve. And I don't have to be able to uh, see you today. I don't have to be able to know you today. The Bible tells me this, that all of the world is guilty before God. It says that in Romans chapter 3. It says that there's no difference. All of us have sinned. And I'm not here preaching you to, to you today as if I don't have a criminal record. I have one. And I would never want you to be able to see it. The things I have done, the things that I have said, the things that I have thought. Yes, even my thoughts can be guilty before God, sin against him. And the sentence, the just sentence from heaven's just throne has been passed. The soul that sins shall die, it says in the Bible. The soul that sins shall die. It doesn't say the soul that murders or the soul that rapes or the soul that breaks into somebody's house. It's just the soul that sins. And it includes every one of us, you and I. And you see the reason why Christ doesn't come and execute justice right away. One reason is because if he did, he would have to execute justice on you as well. Not just on murder, not just on all the crimes that are going on in the world today, but on your sins, on your criminal record. And that's what the verse says. It says one reason why he doesn't come is he is not willing that any should perish. That's the sentence. That's the sentence that God has leveled against our crimes. It is to perish. The soul that sins must die. That death isn't talking about, you know, death in a cemetery. That death is talking about perishing. That death is talking about eternal death, to be forever separated from God in hell and the lake of fire, to be punished, tormented for our crimes that have deeply offended him. And so the verse is saying that one of the reasons why he doesn't come is because he doesn't want any to perish. I love that. I love that. Oh. You know, today, again, when it comes to a partial world and we pick and choose, you know, God doesn't want any to perish. Not one. There's not one person listening, watching today. Not one that God wants to perish. If you perish, and God forbid, but if you perish, it will not be because God didn't want you. It will not be because he didn't love you. It will not be because he didn't care about you. The very fact that you are hearing this message today is proof that God cares for you. You wouldn't be hearing it otherwise. He loves you. 
and he has brought the gospel right to your home. You don't have to go anywhere. It's right in your face. The greatest message, as David has reminded us at the beginning, the greatest news, the gospel. And so the verse says he's not willing that any should perish. That's what we deserve for our crimes, for my lies, for my pride, my arrogance. The ways I have rebelled against God have not pleased him. I deserve to perish. That's what the Bible says. The soul that sins must die. And the rest of the verse says this. He is not willing. He does not want anyone to perish. But that all should come to repentance. This is what God wants. This is why. This is why he is patient before coming and judging this world, which he will do. It is because he wants you to repent. He wants you to change your mind. As I'm preaching today, if maybe you've never heard this message before, likely one of the thoughts that went through my mind and may be going through your mind is that your criminal record isn't really that bad. It's nothing compared to the people you're seeing on the news. It's nothing compared to all the chaos going on in the world and all the people that are doing these, these things around us and are being heavily publicized. Nothing compared to that. Your criminal record may just be a list of lies, a few stolen downloaded music, uh, you know, a, few, a, a bit of pride. And you think, well, it's not really that big a deal. That's why the verse says God is calling you to repentance. You need to change your mind. You need to change your mind about your criminal record. You need to understand that according to God, it is a big deal. It's worthy of perishing. It's worthy of, of death. That's why the Lord Jesus, when he was here on earth, a very, very religious man walked up to him. His criminal record would have looked exemplary compared to mine. His name was Nicodemus. And Jesus told him, you need to be born again. You need to have a new heart. You need to have a new life. Because that man, unless he was born again, he'd miss heaven as well. That's what the Savior said. Except you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. And so we have to change our mind about our record. It's not small. It's not little. It's not insignificant. It's deeply offended God. And we need to come to repentance, changing our mind about our sinful record, changing our mind about uh, and just looking at everyone else's record around us. But no, taking a good look at our own sins before a holy God, changing our mind about it and seeing it as God sees it. The soul that sins must die. Taking God's word for that repentance. And then we must trust Jesus Christ. Trust him as our savior. And maybe you're sitting here here today and you say, well, <laughs> I thought you were going to answer the objection. If Jesus loves us, if he cares for us, and if him coming to the earth would bring us peace. Uh, my question was, why doesn't he come? And uh, your answer is, well, because God wants to, you know, he loves us and he cares for us. He wants us to not perish and to trust Jesus. Like, what does Jesus have to do with my criminal record? And the justice that you say is coming to me. If God is going to judge my criminal record, even a lie, even pride, if God is going to judge that, how does trusting Jesus deal with that? What does Jesus have to do with it? And you know, we're living in a country, at least if you're watching this from the West, that has been so saturated with the gospel that we've almost developed a uh, herd immunity to it. You know what I mean? Where people think when they hear the gospel and they hear of Jesus, they think the message is which church to join. That's not what we're preaching here today. It's not about which church to join. It's not about what good works to do. It's not about how much to pay. 
It's not about how much to pray. No, the message of the gospel is about how Jesus answers the justice problem. The problem of us before God, the justice for our crimes, how Jesus and Jesus Christ alone answers that problem. Let me tell it to you briefly. It's the greatest message, the message of the gospel. He answers the problem because he was God himself who became a man. He lived in this world and through many people's um, observation, he was without any sin. God himself said, as he looked down on his son, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. A thief hanging beside him as he's crucified on the cross said, this man, Jesus, has not done one thing out of place. Here was a man who had no criminal record. Here was a man who had no sins, no pride, no arrogance, not even a misspoken word, everything perfect. Not only did he not have a moment of bringing displeasure to God, but he also never had a moment where he didn't bring pleasure to God. Every moment of this person's life, every single moment from from the moment he was born till 30 odd years here on earth. And yet this person had come into this world for one mission. He had come on a mission sent from God so that you wouldn't perish. He had come for you. If you're listening today, he had come for you. He has come for you. Listen to the words of the Bible. The father has sent the son to be the savior of the world. That God has loved this world and has given his only son. That anyone who believes on him will not perish, but have eternal life. That's why he came. And he was put on a cross. He was put on a cross. And Paul tells us in the book of Galatians that cursed is everyone who hangs on a cross. And he was put on a cross to take the curse that the law brought of sin. He was put on a cross and judged for sin. He was judged for crimes. The Bible says that he was wounded for our transgressions. It says that in Isaiah chapter 53. He was crushed for our sins. You see, what he did when he came into this world was the perishing, the death sentence that you and I deserve for our crimes. We all deserve it. I deserved it. What he did when he came is he took the death sentence. He took it on himself. And when nailed to the cross, in shame in front of the crowd around him, the Bible says that the Lord, God himself, laid on Jesus the sin of us all. The Bible says that God condemned, God judged, God executed the justice against sin. God condemned sin in the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 8. This is the message of the gospel. This is why God is, is long-suffering. This is why he's patient right now. He wants you to hear the message so you don't perish. He wants you to hear the message so you can be saved. So when the justice does come, and it will come, the justice, Jesus will come and justice will be executed on this earth. But when it does come, you won't be swept away in it. Because another has already died. Another has already offered his life as a sacrifice. Well, how do we know? How do we know he's done it? You know, is, is, this just, is this just religion? Is this just the Christian side of it? And maybe now, if, if you are an objector and you're still listening, 
maybe you'll have to go listen to the Hindu side of it. And maybe you'll have to go listen to the Islamic side of it. And maybe you'll have to go listen to the Buddhist side of it. And the millions and really millions of religions that flood the planet and which one is true. Is there any way to know that truly justice has been satisfied? Well, on the third day after Christ died, God raised Jesus from the dead. And not only did he raise him from the dead, but a, a few days later, he welcomed him back to heaven. And when God raised Jesus from the dead, God was saying that justice has been satisfied with what he's done. That what he did on the cross was enough to satisfy me. And so we know we're not, we're not hoping, we're not assuming. We know that we will never have to perish. We know that we will never have to be judged for our sins. Because if we trust Christ, he was already judged. Now, now that's the point of the gospel. I, I, just, I hope I can make that clear to you today. Like, I have not done it. I will never be judged for my crimes, my sins. I will never be. And I already told you that my list of crimes is long and ugly. But I will never be judged for those. And it's not because I have found the right sacrifice to please God. It's not because I've prayed the right prayer or signed a card. It's not because I've written my name in my Bible. It's not because I've sung a special song or it's not because I pray or preach or anything like that. The reason I will never be judged for my crimes is because Jesus has already been judged for my crimes. Thus saith the scripture. He has been wounded for our transgressions. And anyone who will hear the word. This is what he said when he was here on earth. He said, he that hears my word and believes God who sent me will have everlasting life. And listen, and shall not come into judgment, shall not face justice for their sins, shall not be condemned, for they have passed from death to life. Do you want to know one reason? Why he hasn't come. It's not because he doesn't care. It's because he does care. And he cares about you. He cares about you. And he wants you today to face your sinful record. Not worry about a police officer. Not worry about a group of protesters. Not worry about any other crime that's flooding the news system. Your crimes. Face them as what they are. And then take a look at a cross. Where his soul was made the offering. For your sin, where Christ has died for the sins of the world, and trust Christ, rest in him. And the moment you do so, there will be a peace that comes, not because of a warm feeling, not because of a, a shock of lightning, not because of any special effects. No, a peace that comes from resting in Christ. No special feelings necessarily. No. It's just that's that's so great in one sense about this means that's a little bit awkward and difficult for preaching. But one the great thing is this. People understand this. You, you can't come to a church to be saved now. No, many are closed. You can't come to the front. You can't sign anything that we hand out to you, nor should you. All you need to do, this is what Jesus said over and over when he was here on earth. This is what he said. He that has ears to hear. Let him hear. All you need is ears. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And if you hear the message of the gospel, 
that Christ has died for our sins. That sacrifice has satisfied God. And if you trust Christ, at that moment, you will be linked in a relationship with God. But I have to say, just as I close here, it's not just that it is absolutely true that he is not willing that any should perish. And that's why he is patient when it comes to executing justice on our world. But that doesn't mean he's going to wait forever. There's no promise he's going to wait thousands and thousands of years, my friend. No. In fact, it says this in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. Paul says that when our Lord Jesus Christ shall be revealed from heaven, he will come with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance, executing justice on them that know not God and, and on them that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. I tell you, just as I close here today, it is a very solemn thing to hear the gospel. It is a great message. There's nothing like it, but it's very solemn. It's very solemn to be faced with truth from God. Yes, it's coming through this weak frame and means, but it's coming from God to you. Very solemn. What you must do is listen to what he is saying. Face what he is saying about your criminal record. Criminal against him. Trust the substitute he's provided. You do that. You do that today. You will pass from death to life. You will be saved. And you will not perish.